Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today's guest is Christina Harris-Jackson. Christina is the director of research and part owner of OmegaQuant Analytics and an assistant professor in the Department of Internal Medicine at the University of South Dakota, Sanford School of Medicine. She received her PhD in nutritional sciences from Penn State University in 2013 and completed her training to become a registered dietitian in 2014. Christina continues her research in the area of omega-3s in maternal health, helping create the prenatal DHA test and the mother's milk DHA test, and continues her clinical work by consulting with clients on their lab values from omega-quant. Christina lives in Sioux Falls, South Dakota with her partner and two kids and a very old dog. In this episode, Christina shares why omega-3s, particularly EPA and DHA, are so important during pregnancy and postpartum for both mom and baby, why most women are deficient, and how most prenatal vitamins and formulas fall short. The best way to know if you're deficient is to test yourself during pregnancy and postpartum. You can even test your breast milk. Christina is here to tell you just how easy it can be and when are the optimal times to do so. And of course, we tell you how you can easily get your levels up. I had such a fun time recording this conversation. Christina is a mom herself and has such a realistic lens when it comes to supporting the health of mom and baby with omega-3s. So if you're currently trying to get pregnant, pregnant in the postpartum phase, or have children and omega-3s are not part of your nutrition plan, then turn the volume way up for this one and share it with your OB. Welcome to the show, Christina. I was just saying we had a really fun talk with your dad, Bill Harris, the other week. And I'm so happy that we are now taking this time to speak with you just specifically on the importance of DHA and omega-3s during pregnancy and postpartum. I know for myself, um, my son is seven months old now. And I can't tell you how many women, I mean, I could scream it from the rooftops of how important it is to take your DHA during pregnancy, also even when you're prepping to have baby and postpartum. But I continue to find that so many women don't even know it's something they should consider. Their doctors aren't mentioning it to them. So I am pumped for this conversation and I'm pumped to hear your take and just talk to a fellow dietitian as well. So welcome. And, you know, if we could just start with what you think are the greatest benefits to taking DHA during pregnancy and even when you're getting baby ready? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. And thank you guys for having me on. This is great. And yeah, this this area of DHA and pregnancy postpartum has kind of become like my central focus. It wasn't always and just over the last few years. Um, I had my own kids and a ton of research came out at the same time when I was looking at it. So um, it was good timing. But some of them, I think the most important thing and the clearest thing in my, from what I've seen is that um, DHA can really affect how long you are pregnant. So it can affect your gestation. And so in that, a higher amount of DHA, a higher level in your blood really clearly links to having a longer gestation, making it to term. So what we see on the flip side of that is having a low amount of DHA can increase the chances of having preterm birth or even early preterm birth. And 
Um, a lot of the research around DHA and pregnancy started out in brain and eye because DHA is really, really concentrated in those areas compared to the rest of the body. And so I think that's, people would just kind of, they would track the gestational periods. They would maybe just report it, but it wasn't like, it was just like, oh, this is interesting. And then people started to look at um, specifically Maria McCrides and Bob Gibson in Australia and Susan Carlson in the U.S. and Kansas City, actually, those two labs really started to focus their studies on preventing preterm birth using omega-3s. Um, and they've, they've recently found some pretty strong, striking uh, findings there. So to me, if you, redu- if you reduce preterm birth, that affects every system in a baby's body because the more that time that it has to develop within the womb to a point, obviously, you don't want to go too long. Um, that's better for everything. It's just, and the earlier they come out, the more support you need. And and we have amazing, um, like NICUs and PICUs. Um, but that's a huge effort, huge amount of money, and a huge amount of stress. So keeping baby in the womb longer, just it really um, across multiple systems has shown to be beneficial. So I think that's the most important thing it does. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought up that benefit because like you said, that's not one that I feel like people focus on. Um, I know even when we're speaking about the importance of DHA during pregnancy, yes, like brain and eye health are huge because that's where they're highly concentrated. So I'm curious if you can speak to those as well um, and just the importance of, you know, that brain development and eye development and what DHA's role is. Yeah. Um, so DHA, I kind of think of, uh, the mega-3s can kind of have two main functions. And one is structure, just the actual form of it helps your, it, it's what is required in the brain and eyes. And then the other is the metabolism of them. So when they are, they make metabolites that are usually kind of anti-inflammatory, pro-resolving, we call it. Um, and so anything related to inflammation has an omega-3 component and that can be almost anything in the body. But we're talking about brain and eye, I think of it more as just the right structure. Um, And so it's interesting because a lot of the research on brain and eye has been very mixed. And I think a big part of that is, well, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, One of the main reasons, in my opinion, is it's incredibly hard to study. They're so complicated. How do you study the brain function of it? infant of a two-year-old it's it's incredible how the lengths that we've gone to to try to really accurately assess um what the brain how well the brain is functioning it's just so complicated so i applaud everyone that's done it um and we've we have a lot of great data we have some promising data but it's it's hit and miss it's not like the preterm birth data i think is so clear because it's such an easy obvious outcome so that's a big part of research. It's just, what are the outcomes? Um, so that's one thing. So I still think um, there's absolutely a need for the brain and eye to have the DHA, but a woman's body also does a lot to upregulate DHA um, out of her, out of your fat cells, um, trying to reg- upregulate its, um, just creating it from shorter chain omega-3 fatty acids. The body does all these things to make sure that baby gets enough DHA for brain and eye and for just their body. So there's a, there's a redundancy. Um, there's systems that make sure at least 
enough DHA gets to baby. So the mom will deplete. Yeah, I was going to say mom then is depleted, which is pretty similar to motherhood in general. Like just give your kids everything. And I think that's where it comes in the benefit for mom. Because obviously also as a mom, you're always thinking about benefit for baby, benefit for baby. But the benefit for mom, and we'll talk about the benefits during postpartum too for mom, because I'm big on those. But even though, you know, we're saying that our body, which it's miraculous what our body can do when we're pregnant and how our body does just give to our child. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like it's innate. Mm-hmm. But we have to remember we we need to live for ourselves as well. Yes. And it's really supplementing with DHA to support our own bodies and then make sure once baby comes out that you have enough stores. So then when, you know, and we'll get into when you're breastfeeding, mm-hmm. um, how important that is as well. So for mom and pregnancy, it's important to, it's having a full-term pregnancy is usually quite beneficial for mom. And that spills into the postpartum period because then you're able to start your postpartum period, um, less time in the hospital, more time at home, hopefully. Um, And so that's always the good thing. But then beyond that, when you're going into your postpartum period, you're going, we usually actually see a pretty significant drop in DHA blood levels after at delivery and then in the first weeks of postpartum, and then it starts to come back up. Um, and so your mom is using DHA for two things at this point. Um, one of them is for breast milk, and a lot of DHA goes into breast milk. Like the bigger, and as you make more and more breast milk, more and more DHA gets pulled. So you're having a, a big drain there. And then um, your body's recovering. So omega-3s are actually known as uh, they help recover. And in sports and athletics, they're known to help recover. This is a huge inflammatory, dramatic uh, process that your body's just gone through. It also needs to recover. So um, omega-3s are going to help with any extra inflammation uh, related to what happened in the labor and delivery. Um, and the other thing that there is some evidence for is that symptoms of like mood um, can be affected by your DHA levels. We actually have seen in a study out of Norway where women with the very lowest levels of DHA in their blood had more symptoms of a mood disturbance. And then women with a kind of a, a normal status or a high status didn't have as many of those symptoms. So it's... Anything you can do to help yourself out in postpartum um, and in those ways, especially in, in mood, because there's so many things that are changing and affecting it. Um, so it's obviously like this is not your silver bullet, but it might help a little bit. It might just give you a little more buffer um, in that space. So, yeah, which I mean, I don't know about you, Christina, but my, you know, my son now, he's seven months and he's my first. My mood was all over the place. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I almost felt like I couldn't get a grasp on it. So even just saying like, if there's anything to add a little bit of a buffer, and I know everyone's experience is different. Mm-hmm. I feel like I would say more more moms I talk to than not, they are having some mood issues and don't feel like they're in a healthy space right after birth. And then some are like, you know, in that baby bliss. And you also can be in both. That's how I felt. I felt like one minute I'm in baby bliss, mm-hmm. one minute I'm in mommy hell and going back, you know, teetering back and forth. Mm-hmm. But if there's anything we can do to help support our mood and, you know, 
it can last for a while. The baby blues aren't just the first couple weeks. They can also, you know, I've spoken to some women and there's been research on it too, where some women don't get the baby blues until months Mm. after. It doesn't hit them at first. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it Mm. hits them a few months later. So Mm -hmm. anything we can do to be supportive and that's, you know, obviously we're talking about like when we're breastfeeding or even if we're not breastfeeding, we're storing milk. Because even if you're, you know, your baby's formula fed and we'll talk about DHA's role there Mm -hmm. when supplementing, you still have to get the milk out. So even if you're just pumping to get it out in those first stages and you're weaning yourself Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. from your your milk stores, you're still pulling that DHA out. Yeah. still need to supplement there. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I mean, it's it's like anything with postpartum, just to help support. It's like, I'm like, I'll take anything mm-hmm. I can get. Like, I can't even tell you how many things I ordered on Amazon yeah. right away because it was like, oh, that will help? Perfect. Okay. Ordering right now, added to my yeah. cart. Yeah. Um, and this is a simple way that's both good for you and good for your baby mm-hmm. um, You know, if they are, if you are breastfeeding or you're pumping and storing your milk. Um, mm-hmm. It's just really important. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, um, you know, the big pillars when you're in postpartum, everything is out from under your feet. You don't get sleep, which is probably the most important thing. <laughs> For me, it was. Um, and, and just, you know, it's like the same thing in life where sleep, diet, movement, support all really affect how we operate and in postpartum it's just heightened everything is even more intense and so um yeah for me the dha is one little piece of it um i like thinking about the biology of it and being like okay this this makes sense um and and it does help like i breastfed for both of my babies and um knowing that it's getting used up a lot. There's <laughs> also yeah. like, I just feel like I'm just kind of replenishing them or replenishing myself. Um, and so it's, it is like that small tool that gave, it, it was just, uh, it made me feel a little bit better about yeah. uh, how I was recovering and everything. No, definitely. And I'm curious your thoughts. So I know based on the research too, so EPA is very supportive. The other omega-3. So yes. for everyone listening, when we're talking about omega-3s, the two main ones we are talking about are EPA and DHA. There are others, but those the two we're focusing on. And during pregnancy, the, the big focus is on DHA and there's still a big focus on DHA after, but EPA comes into play postpartum for me when looking at the research and mood support and having a healthy mood. So it, you know, that's one thing mm-hmm. I will try to talk to mothers about too, is including both in that postpartum phase. But I'm curious to um, get your thoughts. Yeah, I I like to include both always. Um, I just just take a normal fish oil or eat fish. Um, so that's the other big, big part about pregnancy and fish is uh, the mercury concerns. Um, how when women get pregnant, they if they are eating fish, a lot of times they stop eating fish. And fish is really the only natural food source of omega threes that we have, and so it's it's tricky. So there's been a lot of work done in this area, just showing that um, actual mercury levels in fish are are actually quite low for the common fish that we eat, for um, the salmon and sardines and 
the higher omega-3 fish, they're just, they're mostly in those bigger like shark, tilefish, swordfish, bigger fish tend to have the bigger amounts of those, um, of those toxins. Um, but fish have APA and DHA together. They have choline, which has actually been shown to increase omega-3 um, incorporation into the cells, um, which is incredible. During pregnancy specifically, um, it takes vitamin D. So the fish, a a fish meal actually is just one of the most perfect pregnancy foods, in my opinion. Um, But if you're doing just, there are just DHA prenatal supplements, pure DHA um, supplements available, and that's better than nothing for sure. Um, Women in the U.S., according to some of the most recent data I've seen on average, in their diet are getting about 60 milligrams of DHA through their diet, which is low, but very, very normal. Low. <laughs> very low for um, everyone listening. The kind of lowest level recommendation um, is really, it's 200 supplementation, but that's a, and, and then a hundred in your diet. So people assume that everyone's getting a hundred milligrams of DHA in their diet. And then for pregnancy, you want to add 200 more milligrams to get at 300. Um, but if everyone's actually at 60, then we probably need a little more than 200. Um, but getting yourself out of that very, very low DHA um, intake is important and easy to do. Like you can do that with two fish meals a week. You can do it with two or 300 milligrams of DHA. A lot of times when we're talking about omega-3s um, in, a, in the other side of what we do, which is kind of more on the optimum optimization side where you're like an athlete or or an, just an adult wanting to um, get your levels up. We're talking more about like one or two grams a day. And I'm talking about a much smaller amount, um, very feasible within the diet. Um, and so I think I just went on a tangent, but what was the main question? <laughs> no, I think I think you're you're spot on, Christian, just talking about, you know, the different ways we can also get in those omega-3s. So also, I, I want to note, if you are a vegan or a non-fish eater, you can get it in the form of algae and there are algae supplements. You touched on a point that I'm so happy we are going to discuss is, so when we talk about that 300 milligrams, let's say that that's for, I'm even being generous and saying maintenance. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, but most yeah. women are starting low anyways. Yeah, and that one to two grams, like you were just saying, to get your levels up, which is what most of us need, it's really hard to find one a prenatal that even comes close to that. What I typically see is anywhere from thirty milligrams to three hundred, or there's no DHA present, which right. I'm almost okay with because then it's like just sup- take an extra supplement on the side because exactly. you will have to anyways. Yeah. But typically, when you are taking a prenatal, you will need to take an extra DHA supplement. Um, But it is, you know, I first would take a test, right? Get tested, go through, you know, omega-3 quant or omega quant and see what your levels are because that's the best way you can know what dose you should be taking. Because who knows? You could surprise yourself and not be low. I mean, right. it's unlikely, but you right. could. Um, or you can see that you're very low and you may want to get closer to that two grams a day. Wow. That's the only way we really know how much we should be taking. Because I will say like even 
through Nordic Naturals, we get the question all the time, well, how much should I be taking? How much should I be taking? It goes back to individualization. Yeah. We do. We ca- cannot tell you unless you go get tested and then mm-hmm. we can give you recommendations. Mm-hmm. But the most important and the surest way we can be is if you get tested first. Absolutely. And that's where you guys come in, which I yeah. love. And it's so easy too. Yes, yes. Um, there is... That was all very good. Yeah, that kind of 300 versus 1,000. 1,000 is... It has been shown to be very safe across the board um, and would do one... I mean, I'm talking about 1,000 EPA and DHA together, but it could just be DHA. It's harder to find that big of a dose of DHA. With the 300, what I find, it's, it's more of like a public health level. Yeah. Like, if everybody got there, it would bring up the very low women. And that's where most of the effect is. It's kind of a deficiency state versus being normal versus optimal. And optimal, the yeah. two grams is going to get you more in the optimal range. It's, you're going to have a better chance of actually feeling something different. Um, but uh, when it comes to the pregnancy outcomes of preterm birth, there is a study done by Susan Carlson in Kansas City. And they did a study where they compared 200 milligrams of DHA to 1,000 and, and had women um, just take it during their pregnancy and followed them throughout that. And they found that um, their, the women's baseline DHA level was a major component in whether or not it worked. And the dose. So what was really interesting is um, the level of DHA in a red blood cell that we think is kind of a, the tart, kind of the, the target we should all get to is 5%. 5% of all the fatty acids in this red blood cell membrane are DHA, and that shows a really good status. Um, and so they found that about that 5% level, women that came in above that level, which was, um, there definitely a significant amount of women there. Um, they could be on the 200 or the 1,000 milligrams a day. It didn't matter. It didn't change their preterm birth risk. Um, in fact, across the board, they just had lower risk um, of having early preterm birth than the other women. So the other women coming in at a baseline level less than 5%, um, if they were given 200 milligrams a day, they had the highest rates of early t- preterm birth. They were given a thousand milligrams a day. Their rate was about cut in half from that two hundred group. So that's where it's really important. If you're lower than five percent, you need to be on a thousand. If you're mm-hmm. above five percent, because your diet already contains fish, because you do you've been supplementing um, just with fish oil, um, then you can just keep doing what you're doing. You really don't need to go crazy and spend a bunch of money or or totally change your lifestyle. Um, but if you're low, it's really critical to get a higher dose than what you normally get in pre and prenatal supplements. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, going back to that, do you want to live in the optimal range mm-hmm. or do you just want to live in the kind good of that enough. like safe range? Yeah, the good enough. And I, I always think about it, Christina, like when you go to the doctor and you get your labs drawn, right? They have that the normal range. Okay. Well. Most of the time, if you want to feel your best and have your body functioning at its best or right, we can say optimally, we want to be a, usually above that normal range, right. above that kind of safe range 
where your body's functioning, Mm -hmm. but it's not functioning at its best. And that's what I think, you know, a lot of people are striving for today, especially with, Mm -hmm. you know, more stressors in life and everybody wants to be at their best. So it's something to definitely consider when you do hopefully get tested, get your results back and aim for that optimal range instead. Um, I do want to take it back to, because I know we have moms too that are formula feeding. Um, My son, he's seven months now. He is completely on a formula fed diet. And where does you know, DHA come into play for babies at that stage and or if they're being breastfed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, so I'll kind of go back a little bit. In the formula world, um, this actually comes down to the question of the essentiality of, of omega-3s versus omega-6s, which is really interesting. But um, for a long time, they were just using an omega-6 uh, at, to meet the essential fatty acid needs. And then um, those studies, especially in premature babies, those are the studies where you can really see the effect on eye and brain. So when a premature baby comes out and you're not, you don't continue to, you don't give it any more DHA or arachidonic acid. So arachidonic acid is an omega-6 that's as important to the baby as DHA, but arachidonic acid is a lot more prevalent in the, in the food system. It's like in meat and eggs. Um, and your body makes a lot of it. Uh, it's it's a lot easier for us to make and to maintain a level. So arachidonic acid is usually not a concern. DHA levels just really go up and down more dramatically with our food intake or intake of DHA. Um, and so when you have a baby coming out of the womb where they've been getting a steady flow of arachidonic and DHA, um, and then they totally cut that off, they started to see some really um, bad effects on development. So in those preemie baby studies, they found that DHA and arachidonic acid were helping with cognitive outcomes, with visual outcomes. Um, So then when you come to a term baby and you start giving formula, that baby is a little bit more robust and can handle differences in um, fatty acids. It's not ideal, but you just, we didn't see as dramatic of an effect as we did with the premature babies. Um, But it's still really, really important. So a lot of formulas are supplemented with DHA and arachidonic. Um, And they've actually found if you have just DHA, like just very high DHA and no arachidonic, the the outcomes aren't as good. So I just want to emphasize like sometimes the omega-6, omega-3 stuff gets in your head, um, but both are really important and especially for baby. So I think a lot of formulas do have DHA and arachidonic now, not all of them. Um, and I will say, it almost goes like similarly to our prenatals. We're like, oh. it's like, oh, there's three milligrams of DHA, but on the front of the formula, it will say plus DHA. Yeah. And so I just want all of our listeners to be clear too. Like you have to do a little digging. You have to turn that label around. Um, and I'm curious what you would say, Christine, that's like a good amount mm. for people to be giving their babies. Um, because I, I mean, I still to this day have not found a formula where I'm happy with the DHA amount. But again, mm-hmm. I think it's just one of those things where you can just supplement it yeah. with your baby. Uh, 
DHA drugs. You know, to, to ensure, right? Like just to yeah. make sure they're getting enough. Mm-hmm. And this is the same too with breastfed babies as well. Which is also yeah. supplement. I mean, yes, they are getting DHA from your breast milk. Um, but again, it's not going to hurt them having no. any extra. Yeah, it's hard to get. We don't really have a clear view on how much is too much. Yeah. Every nutrient has that. Um, but for omega-3s, uh, you have to really take a lot. Um, I do like if yeah, I do like the option of DHA drops for babies. Um, I think those are awesome. You can get a nice concentrated dose. And if they're on complementary foods, um, you can just put it in anything. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, any milk, any, any like yogurt or um, cereal. That's what I did with my little one. She almost didn't need anything. And that's, I just put that in there because um, we do it with vitamin D as well. We do vitamin D drops. Yep. Um, same kind of thing. So I think um, if you don't have a formula, if you, if your formula, if the formula like and your baby likes doesn't have the DHA, um, that should have uh, should have enough sourcing of arachidonic, um, but then you can just add DHA as a drop, and just whatever the kind of recommended dosages should be fine. I can't remember. I think I actually used the Nordic drops, and I don't rem- was it too. <laughs> I can't remember what the dosing was, um, but babies are a lot smaller than adults, also, so you're not. You don't want to give them a gram. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, no, you're not giving like <laughs> when we were talking about one to two yeah, grams before, that's um, a, or a thousand milligrams to two thousand yeah. milligrams. We do not want that for right. baby, right? Um, and so, yeah, as they get older, um, you can start incorporating fish into their diet. Um, I my kids really like salmon. Salmon can be not a lot of ta- not a lot of fishy taste. Um, and then you can start, you can also, there are like, there are lots of different options for, um, I, there's some like smoothies, there's some gummies, there's just some liquid. Um, so you can do a lot of different ways, but I do think, you know, that brain development to, to two years is a good time to make sure that they're getting some DHA, um, either through breast milk or their formula or add the drops plus fish <laughs> you know yeah. it's all it's all adding up um and it's all helping out and and baby is there are a lot of again redundancies in the body so even your your baby's still going to start making their own dha even if it's a small amount um and and their brains are still going to like so much of that development happens in the womb um but it's just giving them more they're just getting bigger they need more energy. They need more nutrients. Um, and so it's it's just an important nutrient that unfortunately is kind of just in fish. And that's why that's why it can go missing. It's not just it's not fortified. It's not it, it actually it is fortified in some milks. Um, they're fortifying more things, but it's not like other nutrients that And again, you have to look at that that dose and that level, even mm-hmm. when they're fortifying. What is it really? Like a lot of the times, a lot of the fortifications, it's like 30 milligrams, which is, I mean, that's per It's cup. better than nothing. Not up. Right? It's better than up. nothing. And yes. you know, like how much they're eating. But that's where you have to look at your own child too. Like, mm-hmm. is your child eating fish? There's still a part of me and I wish we had a study on it that I'm hoping because it's funny. Like Connor loves taking his fish oil. Uh-huh. In the beginning when he was a baby, I just put it directly in his mouth. Yeah. Um, 
And in the beginning, when he was a baby, you know, he'd make that face like, oh, what is this, mommy? This isn't milk. Like, but now he like, he like grabs for the bottle and wants it. And it's funny because like it, you know, it's, especially I take, obviously give him Nordic Naturals, baby's DHA, and we don't have any flavoring or anything. So, you know, it, it should never smell fishy, but like it's fish oil. So like there's a light scent um, Mm -hmm. and it does taste a little fishy because I've tasted it. Mm-hmm. But he loves it. But I'm really hoping it's going to make him like fish. I don't like because that's I'm like I hope it primes you for liking <laughs> fish, yeah. and we won't have to yeah. go down that road of me trying to give you every possible mm-hmm. seafood and you not enjoying it. Mm-hmm. But I have found it's been really easy to give him because I know that's another like complex. Oh, there's something else I have to give my baby, uh, but. It right. hasn't, you know, and most people I talk to, it doesn't seem to be an issue. Yeah, I think I, I, I am a big fan of the liquid drops. And just like, I know, I, I didn't use formula, but I do know that it can be hard to find something that works, like to find the right one. And if yeah. one that works for you doesn't have DHA in it, you can add it separately. So it's like, there's so we stress out about so many things. So that's the other thing. I'm just like, this is important. But it's not like the end-all be-all to everything. Don't stress yourself out to make sure you get that formula with that amount of DHA and ARA when it's not working for your kid. You can add it in other ways. There are so many ways to add DHA in um, at smaller doses, um, but you do have to be somewhat intentional about it And uh, because fish is just not a part of our everyday diet. If we were in a more of a fish culture, kids would be just because that's just what we would eat it wouldn't be like anything different so i think that's always important to not put any more stress on already stressed out moms (laughs) um that they're not doing something right it's like we can we can do better but um there's also you're doing a lot right so completely um i do want to touch on to christina just the benefits that have been shown Mm-hmm. of babies who receive DHA and then what they've seen in kids, you know, a little bit later in life from five years old to 12 years old um, and what those benefits are. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah. So generally, I would say this evidence is also mixed. And again, it's a very hard thing to yep. say. <laughs> um, so some of the main behavioral attributes that are repeatedly improved um, in kids who've had omega-3s either in pregnancy, in the womb, or just after in postpartum are uh, focus uh, and time of attention, essentially, and impulsivity. Um, And so as someone grows up, those are two very, very important behavioral aspects to have. Um, And then the other, there's some other really interesting studies that have shown there's a lot of power of what's happening actually in pregnancy versus if you just start supplementing or giving DHA in postpartum. Um, pregnancy has, I think, a multiplying effect. So taking having a high, a high amount of DHA in pregnancy has been shown to, um, in women with lower levels, has been shown to reduce risk of asthma in a study in, in Denmark. And that was at a high dose. That was at like... Um, two grams of um, total omega-3 and a gram of DHA, 1,000 milligrams. Um, there has, uh, so, so there's just like, there's things that are happening 
in pregnancy are showing up years later. Um, there's also some some studies showing cognitive benefits at the older ages. Again, that's a mixed bag. It doesn't always show up. Um, and so I think I take it all with a grain of salt. Um, I think it does like if if omega-3s do have an effect on focus and impulsivity, that's going to have a knock-on effect into a co- uh, the child's cognitive function and ability to learn. Um, and so I, there's so many variables for these things, but I do think that kind of those two main behavioral characteristics um, are mo- the, more, the, the strongest evidence behind them um, for DHA either in pregnancy or, or just after. But I would say pregnancy seems to be more powerful. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Earlier when we were talking about just supporting mom's mood, like we'll take anything just to Mm -hmm. try to help support mom's mood postpartum. And Mm -hmm. I think of it similarly with children, with all the distractions kids have these days. I mean, it's, I don't know if I would have been able to focus as a child with now like all the technology and even in school, they're using all the technology. Um, and they have cell phones and all these things. And I'm like, if there's anything that could just help a little bit, I'm going to give it to my kid. (laughs) If there's anything that could help my child from impulse, like possibly, you know, less impulsivity or, you know, longer attention span. So I'm not having to give them something new every couple minutes. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. (laughs) anecdotally, which is dangerous, but anecdotally, um, <laughs> my son, I had really high omega-3 levels by the end of my pregnancy with my son. Like they were total 12, 12%-ish. And I, that was kind of an accident. I didn't really, wasn't trying to get that high. Um, but he came out and he has been incredibly um, just a kid that will focus in on something and just play with it and figure it out and some of it's just him and some of it I'm just like I can't believe so focused on this and it's again anecdotally for things that could be happening but it's something that I did um I noticed I was I was like surprised at the amount of time he could stay just focused on a toy at pretty early ages and focused on figuring things out um and that's how people do the research. It's like they watch children playing with toys and time it or you know, like, it's it's crazy. They also do fancy brain scans and stuff, but um, but it's that kind of little stuff that that does, you know, over time, that stuff makes a big difference. Just I mean, just hearing you, Christina, say you were at twelve percent. That's phenomenal. And I'd love for you to tell moms kind of when they should get tested. Because I know you guys have like your prenatal DHA test, but then you also have your mother's milk DHA test where you can test your milk and your DHA level. So when would you recommend recommend moms get tested and retested? Yeah. Um, I would like moms to get tested. Uh, I would love to for this to be the part of normal testing in the hospital. That's my goal. Um, so like end of first trimester, beginning of second, when you go in for blood work, I think that's a nice time. I mean, if you can test before you're getting, as you're trying to conceive, that's better. Going in with a really nice level of, um, so if we're just talking about DHA levels, 5% or above, um, we don't have, we've seen in the literature, women up to 9, 10% of just DHA. 
Um, and, and that's perfectly fine. And so getting to at least 5% before conception, that really sets you up nicely. Um, testing at that first 12 week appointment, and then you can either up your dose or maintain your dose. Um, if you want to retest at the beginning of your third trimester, um, then you kind of have an idea if you're maintaining or if you need to increase your dose further because then you still have a whole month. And that last trimester is when most of the fat is the You're baby. pulling a lot then. Baby's taking lots from you. And it's <laughs> awesome. Um, the placenta actually like identifies DHA and arachidonic acid and preferentially pulls it in for a baby. Um, but just fat in general is being transferred at a very high rate during the third trimester. So DHA is fat and it's going to get pulled in. Um, that's when, you know, the brain is being developed more. And I've also seen where babies storing more fat so that when it comes out, it has fat to continue growing, which is cool. Yeah, um, really cool. Because the brain can't get too big inside the womb for obvious reasons. And um, and then so that last trimester, if, if you're still low at the beginning of the third, you can always even up your dose more. And another interesting thing is a lot of these studies have been done where they're recruiting women in their second trimester and starting them on supplements in their second trimester. And they're still seeing effects on preterm birth. So if you didn't start out taking anything, you can still kind of salvage it. You can take a higher dose and still get a lot of benefits, which I find very comforting because other like folic acid is one of those where it's like, it's all happening before you kind of know what's I was going to say, and honestly, Christina, it's like, I mean, our baby was a surprise. So like, Mm -hmm. you can also find out late that you're pregnant. And, you know, we were saying earlier, unfortunately, a lot of doctors are not telling their patients about DHA. So you also may just find out, maybe you're listening to this podcast and you're mid-second trimester or you're in your third trimester. Nothing is lost. Mm-hmm. Nothing is lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just keep going. Like, I just think when we do see those big drops in blood levels for mom um, and babies usually have the baby's lo- blood levels and the mom's blood levels are usually tracked. So that's cool. So they're both, if you're high, baby's usually high. But then after postpartum, mom drops. And that's where it's like, just, it's just all of the support for your body that you can give. Um, this is one of the, an important nutrient that you might not be getting. And so continuing to take what you took in pregnancy or even upping it in postpartum. Because postpartum, we've actually seen um, an increased need because the breast milk pull bigger yeah. than it is I, when I, du- I doubled my them. dose because I yeah. doubled my dose also just for the extra mood support. Like, give yeah. me all the mood support I could get. Yeah. And I knew... Like you're saying, you know, there is not currently a threshold that you're going to go over and be taking too much. Right. But that's important to know. So then even after then, when when would you say you would want to test your mill? Mm -hmm. And then would you also test mom at that time too? Because she's pulling so much out, we don't want mom to be depleted too. Right. And so um, I would say first, actually, quickly, there is... The upper recommended intake limit, I think, is now five grams a day in yeah. the U.S. and Australia. It used to be three, and now it's five. So that's a lot. Um, so it is 
You can get over and, that. And, and you know what? It's so but, funny, Christina. Yeah. It's so interesting because, you know, and we see a lot of people. I mean, I will say I take six grams a day mm-hmm. um, just to support like I have, you know, certain skin issues and things like yeah. that and just as supportive. So yeah, even though there's that upper limit intake, you also have to, again, get tested. Right. And see where you fall. Because for right. some people I've seen, they need to take eight grams a day just to get themselves back to like a good baseline or right, we're saying like an optimal level. Mm-hmm. But it all goes back to you need to get tested first. Yeah. To know yeah. how much you should take, you have to get tested. Yeah. There's a, there's quite a bit of difference in how people respond to supplementation and how much they need. Um, we've also seen that people who are doing really intense activities like athletes or military, they tend to have very, very low levels and their levels actually decrease over the course of a season. Yeah. Um, so Especially that, runners. Yeah. That inflammatory mm-hmm. piece for me is like the body is, is getting, is inflamed every day mm-hmm. and omega-3s are part of the response to that. And so the body's using it up. I would say pregnancy and delivery is also probably a very, it's a dramatic effect on your body. Um, and so the body is using all of its resources to try and heal itself. Um, and so those things can affect your blood levels, making a little higher dose needed. It's not just like, I'm always going to take two grams and I'm always going to be at the same yeah. level. Other things can, like if you have a higher use, if you are like have that, those more inflammatory processes happening, um, your dose, you might need to up the dose to get that benefit. I would also say pregnancy or not, for me, to actually feel benefits within a few months, usually omega-3s take a while to build up in the system. Um, but to feel there are certain benefits that I can feel in myself when I am I forget to take my supplements for a week or something like that. Um, and for me, it's it's dry eye and achy, achy joints and a little bit of brain clarity. Um, but those are those kind of pop up for me as little warning signals to be like, you might want to check where you're at. And then you might get back on track. Um, but for pregnancy, some of these things can show up in, in different ways. Um, but yeah, I would say the five gram a day is, we don't do a lot of studies above that. So yeah. this happened, I think there was a, a report out of Norway that was trying to do upper levels of safe intake for kids. And they're like, we can't establish it because we don't have any, we don't have studies of kids taking these yeah. hair So it's not that it's, so it's not, it's not, it's no, no. yeah, we don't have any. And then, yeah. And there's not, there's not, we have seen no evidence um, that taking, you know, grams a day is, is detrimental where you would start, start. I think the types of symptoms we would start seeing if someone is um, getting too high in omega threes. Um, and that also will result in decreasing your omega six content in your blood mm-hmm. swap each other a lot of times um we start to see issues with excessive bleeding um bruising bruising so yeah something amazing that omega-3s do is they Im- improve blood flow and improved blood flow is good for everything yeah um and what we've also seen like if you're worried about in pregnancy this is something that people would be worried about is taking too much omega-3s causing a bleeding event during um during delivery. And they've shown that there is not an increased risk of severe bleeding events. There might be a little bit more bleeding by in a milliliter 
Like, <laughs> just a little more. Gluten. I mean, at that point, postpartum a milliliter is not, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like actually severe events. Yeah. Um, that is, is not, what we'd be concerned is, about, which is what's important. Um, I know that. Uh, so, so, and we've seen that in many other settings, not just pregnancy, that people are worried about high dose omega-3 causing yeah. um, an inability for your blood to clot. It slows your bo- blood's clotting abli- ability. It doesn't stop it. Um, like warfarin or other drugs, those really stop, stop that ability. Um, but for omega-3s, it's just, it's just like a damper pedal, um, which I think, I think that's one of the main effects of omega-3s is that improvement yeah. throughout the body. It's, it's important for all your systems. Um, I just I just go on all of these little tangents. Oh no, you're good, Christina. But I do, and I and I know we have to wrap up too. But is there a certain time if someone wants to test their milk? I've been avoiding, but no, totally fine. Is there a certain time during postpartum that you recommend more than others? Obviously, like maybe when your milk actually comes in, and not just when you have colostrum. Yeah, but is there a specific time, or does it not really matter? So milk is interesting. Um, when we look at blood, it's it's more stable. And when we're looking at red blood cells, the level of omega-3s is more stable. Milk can go up and down within a, a week or two um, with omega-3 content. I don't think it's worth testing colostrum and also like don't waste yeah. a drop of colostrum. <laughs> so I don't think that's important. We usually say wait a month, wait till you have mature milk, um, till your milk is in and it's, you know, and maybe you're kind of regular in in your diet. Um, but I'd say a month out would kind of give you a good idea of where you're at. And for milk, we recommend at least about 0.3% DHA of all your milk fatty acids. And so all these scales have different numbers. It's just, there's just different amounts of DHA in it. But 0.3% has been shown to be um, kind of consistently at least that amount going up to 1% is totally fine and totally great. And it'll just, just like your blood, it'll go up. If you take more, your milk will go up as well. So 0.3% is probably going to be around that two or 300 milligrams a day type of intake. 1% is going to be like one or two grams a day. Got it. And, and like we were saying too, you can also, which is what I did when I was breastfeeding, I also just supplemented with DHA for Mm -hmm. him as well. Just again, like more like that safety net. Um, but I do love, I was looking at your site before we came on just to see like the different options you have. And I love that you have like the two pack bundles Mm -hmm. for the prenatal DHA test and the mother's milk DHA test. You can retest yourself. Yeah. Even if you get those results and you're low. Yeah. You know, there's an easy way Mm -hmm. or a fairly simple way, I should say, to get them up, right? Like through supplementation or maybe you add more, um, fatty fish to your diet. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you can retest to make sure. Um, So it's not something to be crazy alarmed about. Mm -hmm. If you find out that your levels are a little bit lower than you would like, but it's important to test yourself. Yeah. And I think um, just even if you kind of think you know what your number is, just seeing it's really validating for me. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, okay, what I'm doing is doing what I think it's doing. And then... The other, the retesting, I think, is also really powerful mentally to see like, oh, I've made this change and now I, I see it in my breast milk and it's a good thing. And um, and for the breast milk test, you can retest breast milk within a month, 
within a couple of weeks if you want to, um, to really see, am I taking enough? Should I get a different supplement? Am I absorbing this supplement? <laughs> um, for blood, we usually recommend at least three or four months before you retest because it takes longer for the blood to change. Um, in pregnancy, that's where I'm more like a two or three month because you don't have as so much time. And if you're testing once you find out you're pregnant or at the end of your first trimester, um, you can retest kind of in that third trimester and you're, you're, you're still going to see a change in blood levels. Um, but for breast milk, you can test more frequently. You can test um, quick, more quickly and you should see, you can see more, more movement. It's a little more variable, but you get more dramatic yeah. changes that are more related to what you're eating like yesterday. <laughs> Yeah, no, um, or what definitely. you do. Um, so that can be really um, affected by it. But you can test test breast milk for as long as you're breastfeeding. You can test frozen breast milk. Um, if you just put it in the bottle and heat it up, you just put a drop onto the filter paper. Um, it it doesn't have to be fore milk. It doesn't have to be hind milk because we're testing it's the composition. So we're just testing yeah. the scent of DHA, which actually is pretty steady throughout milk. Um, throughout the fore and the hind milk, but fore milk is a lot lower in total fat and hind milk is yeah. a lot higher in total fat, but we are not testing a concentration. So that change in total fat doesn't affect the DHA percent that we're reporting. And you know what? That's really good for moms to know too, Christina, about like, it's just a drop of milk. Just a drop. We're not taking, <laughs> we're not asking yeah. you to send three ounces. <laughs> um, and then also... Also, for people who don't know or missed our last episode with your dad, when you are testing yourself during pregnancy, it's a finger prick. Yeah. And then again, you're sending in. It's so easy. Um, I've tested myself multiple times before. Right. And it's, I mean, it couldn't be easier. If you're a little queasy about blood, yeah. like have someone yeah. else prick your finger and put it on the little sheet. Yeah. Like not a big deal. <laughs> but this has been... So interesting. I mean, I think because we're both a little bit of omega three junkies, we could probably yeah. talk forever. Yeah, but I know we have to wrap up, and we have a little rapid fire Q and A, Christina, that we end every podcast with for people to get to know you better. So, first thing that comes to mind: what is your favorite de stressing practice or tool? Oh, um, to me, it's getting to bed early, getting enough sleep is my solution to everything. <laughs> yeah, I think all moms feel you on that. I get up, my kids get me up at the same time every day. And that's, I'm a morning person, that's fine. But like the luxury of getting in bed at nine o'clock is, it's amazing. No, it's I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm in bed by nine most nights, if not 8.30. But I also don't know if I should just savor the fact that yeah. my son goes to bed at 6 p.m. right now. I'm hoping oh, that yeah. will stay. Yeah. Um, okay, coffee or tea? I have recently switched to tea. Oh, what kind? Um, lemon ginger is my favorite. Any any ginger tea is my favorite. But I've recently realized how sensitive I am to caffeine. And it's affecting my sleep. And then I was like, okay, it's over. <laughs> it was yeah, amazing no. how easy it was because I was like, I'm so into my sleep right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I had to switch, which still has some caffeine, but I had to switch from coffee, fully caffeinated coffee to matcha. I will sometimes do decaf coffee, but um, strong caffeine jolts are not my friend either. No. <laughs> um, okay. Favorite home-cooked meal? Uh, 
Well, that's a good one. Um, I would say this is such a cliche, but I really love uh, salmon. My mom makes a really good salmon, just baked salmon and roasted veggies and crusty bread and um, capri salad. That's like our summer meal. I love it. It's so good. No, and I'm so with you. I'm like, give me like a really good piece of salmon, a little crusty on top, sweet potato, and some oh, like yeah. good sauteed garlicky greens. And it's like yeah. my favorite meal. People are like, oh, okay. Is it just because okay. you're a dietitian? Yeah. Like, no, <laughs> I love that meal. Yeah. It's, and it's so easy to prepare, but it just, it makes me feel like when I go on a trip, that's mm-hmm. what I want to come home to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it, and I feel good after. I'd be yeah. like, maybe it used to be pizza. Because I love, I love the taste of pizza, but I don't feel great after pizza anymore. So it's not my favorite anymore. <laughs> no, makes total sense. Well, Christina, thank you so much. If you can just plug in where people can get testing kits and if they want to learn a bit more, where can they go? Yes. So everything's on our website at www.omegaquant.com. So O-M-E-G-A-Q-U-A-N-T.com. And uh, we have lots of resources there. Um, if you are nerdy and you want to look up some of my publications, you can go to PubMed and look up Christina Jackson and DHA and you'll find some stuff there. <laughs> um, and I, I'm on LinkedIn at Christina Harris Jackson, I think, but I'm not wildly asking. <laughs> me either, me either. Well, Christina, thank you so much. And hopefully um, we can connect again soon. Thanks so much. Today's actionable step is if you're currently trying to get pregnant, pregnant, or in the postpartum phase, make it a priority to get in the omega-3s you need each day. And for the specific dose, get tested. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can catch some of our episodes of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. If you want to know more about me, you can follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories, providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like the show, please tell a friend, share an episode and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.